Please listen carefully. G'day. You're listening to City Speak with Greg Van and Stephen Yarwood, a podcast about cities by people who love cities and want you to love your city too. Well, hello, Stephen. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Now, this is exciting today, isn't it? Oh, I'm looking forward to having a chat about this. Oh, well, um, you know, there are some really important people we're going to talk about today and certainly some heroes of mine and people that have inspired me. So hopefully we'll inspire some other people and uh, and hopefully uh, the names we're talking about will also inspire some of our listeners. We've titled it So You Say You Want to Be an Urbanist, you know, which is sort of trying to, today I suppose, we're trying to just set out a map or, you know, how do you get to be someone who's really embedded in this whole future of cities movement? And um, part of that is sort of really recording some of the things that are the people and, and influences that we've experienced in the last 20 plus years in getting ourselves to where we are today. And uh, so a lot of these people we'll talk about we know between us, uh, some we don't. But, you know, it's really about helping others really who want to get really into this you know where do they go for inspiration where do they go for material where do they go for ideas I wanted to start with what urbanism is because, you know, we're both town planners or urban planners or city planners or regional and urban planners. But uh, And I've always thought there's a slight difference between being an urban planner and an urbanist. And so, you know, at Wikipedia, the all-knowing tome of wisdom and relatively average information, describes urbanism as the study of how inhabitants of urban areas such as towns and cities interact with the built environment. So it's uh, planning is about planning cities. Urbanism is about and not only planning but also understanding urban systems and uh, so I think that's just a, a sort of a small differentiation but can we kick off because this is one that I've, I've asked thousands of people when I've done speeches and I always uh, say when I'm in front of planners just for fun hands up who knows who the first town planner is and I've only had one person actually say the answer correctly and I always think that's funny um, and, and that wasn't that me was it you know no, so but yeah. you now know who it is who, who's I the do. first ever yeah, urban planner. Yeah. Well, Hippodamus, we've talked about him once before, I think, but you know, the person who was first described by Socrates, is that right? They said, you Aristotle. know, the, the, Aristotle or one of those blokes, you know, yeah. somebody who actually thought this was a thing, you know, yeah. the father of planning. I've got this quote here, his plans of Greek cities were characterised by order and regularity in contrast to the uh, intricacy and confusion uh, common to cities. So he brought order to chaos. And also I did quickly read when I was Googling him before that apparently quite liked a bit of attention so uh, I'd have to say that there's a few on our list probably including you and I who don't mind a bit of attention but apparently he was very well known for liking attention so we'll, we'll move on from the ancient times. I've made a list of uh, some great urbanists and um, we don't have to do these in order but uh, another one that uh, comes to mind straight away is Frank Lloyd Wright what do you know about him? Well I think of Frank Lloyd Wright more as an architect. He, yep. he was someone who's more famous for the buildings he designed and saw to construction than, you know, as an urbanist per se. But he's a person who really had a tremendous influence and changed people's perspectives about how they did view their cities and their buildings. Yes. Um, he designed over a thousand structures and, and talked about organic uh, architecture and designing in harmony with humanity and, and, and those sorts of things. Um, the next few on the list, I reckon you and I have uh, met a few of them. The 
next one is someone I've actually sat next to at dinner in three different countries, Jan Gell. Have you ever met Jan Gell? I haven't. Well, I actually have met him to shake his hand, but I've never really had a chance to have a chat. And I think he says Gale. I think it's Jan Gale. But okay. anyway, yes. he's such an interesting fellow. I mean, he's, he's from Copenhagen. He's one of the leading, I would say, urbanists in the world. He's written so many good books. He's an architect and urban designer originally. He was he lay down in front of the bulldozers to stop um, some of the things that were going on in Copenhagen in the, 60, in the 60s and 70s. When he retired from his job at the university at Professor, he started a practice and uh, that practice is now you know, famous throughout the world for making huge differences in so many cities. He's actually um, done assessments of walkability and livability of virtually every Australian capital city. In fact, he's done Adelaide twice and he did Adelaide whilst I was Lord Mayor. So I actually got to work with him and um, his wife is a psychologist. Yes. And there's very clearly uh, that influenced his thinking uh, in the sense that um, he really does focus on cities for people uh, and public spaces and public life and uh, has really made quite a significant contribution to the contemporary conversation around urbanism in the last 20 or 30 years, hasn't he? I love the way he has this sort of relatively scientific way of analysing places too, but amongst that they look at how people are using places, they interview people and they ask questions like what are your favourite activities and include people watching on that and most people put that up in their top three. So he really is um, thinking about the human animal and what we need, what makes us feel comfortable, what makes us feel excited and helping design that into our cities. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, he's not a big fan of high-rise buildings. He likes the mid-rise, and if you've ever been to Copenhagen, that's what it looks like. Can I get to jump back completely out of order here, mate, and say, you know, the urbanist and planner thing, I think planners can certainly be urbanists, um, but not all planners are urbanists, and not all urbanists are planners. You know, there's lots of people interested in cities and the, the functioning and sort of dynamics of cities that come from all sorts of walks of life. So yeah, I think that's I, one of the things I, I always think. More. I couldn't agree. Yeah. And in fact, interestingly, looking at some of the names I've put down on this list, um, very few of them are, are qualified city planners, but they've all uh, really made significant uh, contributions. For example, the next one, uh, Jeanette Sadakan, uh, who was the uh, commissioner for the New York City Department of Transport, sport uh, from 2007 to 2013. She's now the national president of transportation planners in the United States and the author of Street Fight, a handbook on for the urban revolution. Um, she's not an urban planner, but she's certainly made a contribution to New York, hasn't she? Oh, and I think yeah, she's made a tremendous uh, contribution with the imprimatur and support and a good relationship with the then mayor, Michael Bloomberg. And so she really was the person who oversaw the pedestrianisation through Times Square, the rollout of the bike um, lanes, um, any number of, um, you know, important sort of transformations in public space that has turned New York a very significantly different city to what it was before they got started. Yep. What about uh, now, I'm, we're going to do two two guys at the same time, uh, Enrique Penalosa and Jill Penalosa. Have you met either of those guys? I have, but only to, to see them at a seminar. Yep. But um, Enrique... 
Kay Penaloso is the Mayor of Bogota, actually in the late 90s to early 2000s and then again in more recent years, he's an extraordinary fellow. He is the most engaging, enigmatic and, and sort of powerful presence in a, in a room. He's, he's got some of the best quotes about cities that anyone has done. You know, those things like um, a successful city is not where poor people drive a car, it's where the rich come, you know, catch public transport. Yep. So, so many quotes. He's got but his so tr- much energy, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's so great at um, coining the message and, and holding true to his beliefs and, and delivering those. You know, he's uh, really has been inspirational, even though he's doing it in Bogota, yeah. <laughs> you know, one city, you know, yeah. in a place that probably most people haven't been to. Yeah, and his brother, um, Jill Penloza, is um, also just got boundless energy when he's speaking and, and working with people and engaging people. And his yeah. company is, is 8 to 80, this whole idea that cities should be built for children if cities are built for children and old people they'll work and he talks about human scale and walkability and and, yeah. and those sorts of things as well i think gil was actually um, you know he had a hit a role in the city while um enrique was mayor and so um, he, he was doing, I think, parks and recreation, that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, that 8 to 80 thing is that if it works for people in who in their young and their age, then it works for everyone. You know, we too often we design cities and think of cities for the able-bodied and healthy, and that's only a part of our population. And uh, so we really need to um, kind of make them work for everyone. It's uh, You know, cities need to be places of inclusion, not exclusion. He, he's fairly been very influential in that. Now, another one I've... Um... Uh, I've seen Edward Glazer talk. Um, he's also very well known. He wrote a, uh, a book called Triumph of the City. Have you read that? I have, yes. He's an economist and people like other people that we might mention later, Brent Totteron, is um, Ed, Ed Glasser in that book gets a little bit carried away with the economics of development and forgets some of the other things but he, he fundamentally just makes this central point that cities are humankind's greatest invention and their capacity to make us you know, smarter, greener, healthier healthier, happier, more productive, more rich, or he says richer, but, you know, more more sort of able to live lives that we'd like to lead. It's a tremendous part of the pantheon of mm-hmm. urbanist books that I would yeah. recommend people it's have a that, look at. That, that one is a good uh, read, absolutely. So um, next on the list, I'm, I'll let you go. Oh, Fred and, e- and Ethan Kent, and uh, I know both of these people personally. They're, they're really lovely human beings. Uh, Fred uh, was in the on the, on the ground floor uh, with um, placemaking before it was even called that, um, coming out of New York again with um, some other people that he used to work with there. He really drove the global movement didn't he and he yeah. continues to do so and his son Ethan has picked up to a certain extent as Fred's probably getting to the point where he should be enjoying life a little bit more and uh, working less. Yeah and you know under their originally project for public spaces and now uh, Placemaking X they really are continuing to foster this conversation about the importance of placemaking so the importance of people the importance of the, how we use places not just how we design them and uh, so they're, they're really foundational. Um, if you get a chance to hear them speak, it they're well worthwhile listening to, and and they're most the most approachable and, and decent human beings, yeah, you know. Really so great uh, they, they're they, great well, people. They also both came to Adelaide whilst I was Lord Mayor and was actively involved. As as by the way, um, did Enrique Penalosa and Jeanette Sardar and I mentioned Yarn Ger. 
girl. One person that uh, didn't actually get to Adelaide during my time that I am a big fan of is is Mitchell Silver. We actually had Mitchell helping us do some um, sort of inspirational work around the uh, regional plan for South East Queensland, the Shaping SEQ, when uh, he was out here, um, just happened to be in, in the country and we were able to co-opt him to help us a little bit with that. And uh, Mitchell is a tremendously inspirational fellow. He once accidentally described himself as a child of mixed use, but he meant child of mixed race. But uh, he he's grew up in um, in New York and, and uh, had, had all sorts of um, things that have happened to him in his life, which he's very open about. And what changed his life was getting into a university to start studying planning and, and cities. He's currently just finishing his term as the New York City Parks Commissioner. And uh, he's also, before that, he was a very effective and, and well-liked uh, president of the American Planning Association. The first, and, uh, he's, the first African-American to hold that title. That title, yeah. And it, look, he's in the works he's been doing in parks in New York about making parks for everyone, you know, that just sort of starting to use parks to leverage poor areas of the city into, you know, more livability and, and creating access to, to them. He tells this wonderful story about one park he was at an opening at once where there was a, a young kid about 10 or 12 hanging around at the entry to the park but didn't come in and he got someone to go over and brought this kid over and the kid said oh how much does it cost for us to cut me to come into this park and and he thought he had to pay to use a public park because mm. it just looks so good compared to what it used to be and Mitch brings tears to his eyes when he tells you that story but that's him you know he 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 has a wonderful gift of doing good things but more particularly explaining good things and inspiring other people to do good things. Speaking of which, uh, people that have inspired me and, and uh, the next one is a name that, that I was learning about when I first started my urban planning degree, oh my goodness, 30 years ago. Before I say, have you ever, have you ever heard of Chandigarh in India? Yes. Yes. Very much famous as the planned city in India. Uh, I haven't been there, but it's on my to-do list. It's um, northwest of Delhi, and uh, it was designed by a guy called, with a great name. I wish I had a name like this. It's like a rock star name, Le Corbusier. Not his real name, you know. Oh, do you know his real name? No, I'm just going to look it up while we're talking. He really is someone you learn about when you, you do an urban planning degree. Similarly, if you had studied architecture, it would have been the same. Recognises the founding father of the modernist movement. He was an architect, designer, painter, urban planner, writer. That's a polymath, if ever I've heard one, uh, who really envisaged prefab housing and uh, wanted to rethink how cities actually worked. And so uh, really famous right up there is kind of, you know, you'd have to say he's kind of one of the three or four most famous uh, urbanists, but uh, yeah. what's, his, what's his real name? His real name is Charles-Edouard Jeanneret. He's uh, actually Swiss, um, French. Yeah, and, and look, some of his some of his solutions are not necessarily the ones that are that are in favour today. But I guess the most important thing was that he was actually out there in the 30s advocating for thinking about cities again. And uh, so he really is an influential person in the history of urbanism. And if you want to be an urbanist, know about him. And you know, there's Abbott and Costello, there's Roy and HG, there's Greg Van and Stephen Yarwood. Uh, the next two names are very similar. 
synonymous with each other, aren't they? They were some ways adver- adversaries, Jane Jacobs and Robert Moses. Do you want to talk a little bit about Jane? Yeah, I, I'm going to admit that I haven't read her book, uh, The Death and Life of, of Great American Cities, um, but there is no doubt that she really inspires me as someone who wasn't an urban planner but was an activist, uh, led lots of protests against the replacement of urban communities with high-rise buildings and freeways and, and those sorts of things, was very much a troublemaker, uh, someone that was a journalist who uh, challenged the conventional uh, planning theory and practice of cities. And to a certain extent, someone like that really inspires me because as a futurist, that's kind of like the sort of stuff I like to do. Um, but yeah. I really love this idea of, you know, I'm not a big fan of smart cities. I'm a big fan of smart citizens. And I think Jane really reflects that ethos that she's not really about cities. She's about citizens and the life on the street. Um, but you've read the book. What's your take on on Jane Jacobs, who would probably be the sort of like ranked number one when it comes to inspiring urbanists, wouldn't you say? I think that would be a fair call. Uh, look, I, I have read the book and um, it's interesting. She was an, an architectural journalist. That's what she did for a living. But she was a tremendously insightful observer of human behaviour and how people interacted with their cities. And she framed um, like the sidewalk ballet and other concepts like that, the ballet that is everyday life in cities. Her most famous sort of, I suppose, activity was when she uh, went toe-to-toe with Robert Moses, who wanted to put a, a freeway through Greenwich Village in New York, and, and she was at the lead of uh, the resistance to that and recognising that places like Greenwich Village had a had a beauty and a, a sort of operation and, and a effectiveness both economically and socially that this would have destroyed. So she was very successful in achieving that outcome, and she moved to Toronto and wrote many books, and I've got them all downstairs. I have read one more. I've read uh, her last book, which is called um, Dark Age Ahead, which which is really worth a read too. So she's a tremendously influential person in, in, if you want to be an urbanist. And the next name, Robert Moses, I, I'll just uh, we've got a whole pile of really amazing people I still want to talk about. So just very quickly, Robert Moses was her nemesis, a master builder of the mid-20th century. Um, One might even say bait noir. Yes, indeed. Mm. And he was arguably one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful man in New York City for a very long stretch of the 20th century, really focused on building cities for cars, high rise, um, you know, the answer to slums was to demolish them, those sorts of things. So an interesting character and there's that real interaction between those two that's fascinating. Yeah, he was sort of most famous now for having done this, you know, inverted commas, slum clearing and the public housing developments that are now called the projects, which have tremendous, you know, been a source of tremendous social problems. And so, you know, for putting freeways and and dislocating the grids of the cities. But those were the big ideas of his day that he was trying to get done. Interestingly, just quick to divert slightly, he was Parks Commissioner for a long time before he took on his role in which he was doing these things. And I've been to Mitchell Silver's office and and he's got, there's a plaque up there about Robert Moses and that was his office. So, um, Extraordinary bit of history. Comes around. Here's yeah. another one. Had, have you heard of Daniel Burnham? I have. Yes, he, he's you know very well known in you know in the American urbanist 
uh, genre, I suppose you'd say. His name, he's got his footprints over places like um, Chicago and uh, um, Washington, D.C., and I think uh, Boston too, I think parts of Boston. So, um, But also more in- others internationally, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost disappointed you mentioned Boston because I've got here transforming the cityscapes of Chicago, downtown Washington, D.C., Manila and Baguio. I haven't been to Boston. Shall I just say that? Yep. <laughs> but do you know where Baguio is? No, I don't. It's okay. nowhere near Boston, I'm guessing. No, and, and so I came across Daniel Burnham when I went to Baguio. I uh, was a part of a, a rotary cultural exchange to the Philippines, and we started in Manila, and we went further north. And Baguio is a city in the, the hills of northern Philippines. But what was really fascinating is he did this incredible grid plan. He had this really, really, really well-organised urban plan for Baguio uh, for about 100,000, 150,000 people. Only thing is sort of 600,000 people live now, so it's the, one of those classics of best made plans of mice and men and, and having a vision is one thing but uh, actually understanding that it will last hundreds of years longer than that is a, another whole thing. So that was my my exposure uh, to um, uh, Daniel Burnham and, and yeah. a really interesting uh, little destination. It's never come up in our conversations before. No, no I, had, I didn't know any of that so that's really interesting to hear. I, I love his quotes and I know you've dug a couple out that about make no little plans you know make big plans aim high and hope and work we've talked about this in other episodes but planning and urbanism was the the profession of the big ideas these people were big in the terms of their aspirations and scope of change that they foresaw as being you know the future but Daniel Burnham I think seems to be very well um, loved and remembered in the urbanist movement in the US for sure yeah Um, and now I think that's a really good segue to the next one um, because I think a lot of these famous urbanists have certainly inspired me in terms of being renaissance men uh, but renaissance men and women also another term that I like is polymath uh, and And as a futurist, and we've got a couple of futurists in this list, that's really inspiring for me because urbanism isn't really just about roads and streets and cars. It's about a whole range of things that make up this complex milieu of of city building and culture and society. This name um, is synonymous with, with, with lots of different things, but Lewis Mumford, um, who is a historian, sociologist, philosopher of technology literary critic um, and and had a lot to to say. He was a contemporary and a friend of Frank Lloyd Wright and and, and, and a whole range of things. Really interesting guy. What do you know about Lewis Mumford, Greg? Oh, yeah, you know, he's, again, like... Famous for some of the best quotes that go around in urbanist circles for people who want to understand cities. I think that the classic is the one about the, his, you know, dealing with induced demand and what we call induced demand today is that like putting more lanes on roads to deal with traffic is like trying to deal with obesity by loosening your belt. You know, that's one I, of his... I fa- love that. Or to that effect, you know, yeah. words oh, to that effect. That's, yeah. a, that, that's a great... And he was around... Um, he actually passed away in uh, 1990, so uh, no longer with us. But uh, I've got to say, um, not, he lived to a ripe old age of 95, so he's doing all right. Someone who's still around and is, um, is one of the world's most visible 
and outspoken urbanists um, who does who does the rounds and uh, has written lots of books is Richard Florida. Have you ever met Richard? No, I haven't. I feel like I know people who know him, but I've, I've not met him personally. I've seen him speak, but Richard, what do you know about Richard? He's, he's a, a you know Canadian based in Toronto, um, professor at the University of Toronto, but most famous, I think, for the books he's written. The Rise of the Creative Class was the one that brought him into world, I suppose, the world spotlight in urban and cities where he, he sort of foresaw the creative classes as being effectively the, the knowledge economy becoming the new economy of cities. Interestingly, his most recent book, The New Urban Crisis, I kind of feel like, oh man, he pinched my fair cities idea there and he's done a much better job than I had. But it was really about the fact that the creative classes and the recolonising of the inner city has created urban divides between the, old, the rich and poor and the old and young. And, uh, and we're seeing this play out now in, in the COVID effects on real estate and, you know, he's he's sort of writing around these things. He has that great knack of having research-based observations and uh, conclusions wrapped up in really persuasive uh, language, you know, which is very powerful. Yeah, and one of the interesting things I've always uh, aligned with, with Richard in this rise of the creative class is this direct correlation between the gay community and creativity, and he really does look at demographics and start to understand some of those things and there's a lot of pushback Richard's getting a lot of pushback on a lot of his early ideas now but what he does do is generate a conversation and explore some ideas and I think that's really important and it's also like I think it's particularly cool to, to uh, recognise and have a conversation around for example the role of the, of the gay community in, in urbanism and the economy and creativity and those sorts of things and oh, yeah, oh, women you, you know, and, and those sorts of things. I think it's great. Canada really benefited from the American sort of aberration of, of recognising non-binary sort of uh, gender roles and, and gay communities and so on and because a lot of uh, Americans just went to Canada because they were, you know, they could live their life the way they wanted to live their life there. And so places like Vancouver have really benefited from that um, over the last decades. I think when we talk about people like Richard Florida and Robert Moses and stuff, we're not endorsing everything they're saying. We're saying that they're important voices in this bigger conversation of urbanism and about the future of cities. So it's really important, I think, if you want to be you know immersed in this that you actually expose yourself to all of this thinking absolutely now a couple more uh, we're going to move on Bruce Bruce Katz I've seen Bruce speak what do you know about Bruce what I know about Bruce I know from Twitter while people make fun of Twitter there is a tremendous urbanist um, movement on Twitter and if you follow the right people people please feel free to go to my uh, Twitter account and pick out some of the people I follow in there because there is a tremendously positive and constructive conversation about this stuff on Twitter. Uh, if you just ignore all the the bots and, the, and what's your Twitter? What's your Twitter? It's uh, just at Greg Van. I, I took a while to think that up, but I think I've landed on something. You, know? you nailed that. Well, mine's at Stephen Yarwood. Although I don't. Jeez, I'm you've not, really uh, gone for yeah, it. Oh, well, yeah, I got in before all the other Stephen Yarwoods. Thank <laughs> That's right. But um, I'm not as good on Twitter as you are, and. and you're much more active in engaging with those people. But um, very quickly, Bruce Katz, How Cities Can Thrive in the Age of Populism. Um, he's served 20 years as Vice President Co-Director of the Bookings Metropolitan Policy Program um, and certainly has made a contribution to global urbanisation as a conversation. So there's, there's definitely another name there. The next one is All Mine. Now, what do you know about Buckminster Fuller? 
Oh, it's probably got the best name in urbanism. I know that much. so cool. Well, that's not only is his name really cool, but he also has had something named after him called the Buckminster Fullerene. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. (laughs) But uh, do tell. I'm all ears. Or even better, Bucky Balls. Have you ever heard of Bucky Balls? All right. (laughs) So this is cool because this is the whole nerd stuff. The Buckminster Fullerene is a type of fullerene with a formula of C60. It's a cage-like fused ring structure. It's called a truncated isohectron that resembles a soppet ball and is made up of 20 hexagons and 12 pentagons. uh, Example of a Goldberg polyhedron. So what has this got to do with urbanism? So Buckminster Fuller, uh, who actually uh, also made, he got got to sort of 88, was an American architect, author, designer, inventor and futurist. So the sort of guy that I have to admit that I would like to be when I grow up. You know, as a futurist, he um, published more than 30 books and developed numerous inventions and architectural designs, including the geo, uh, geodesic dome. Uh, geodesic so, dome, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, so yeah. pretty cool um, and yeah, interesting guy. Yeah. That's um, And he wrote a book called Utopia or Oblivion, Prospects for Humanity. Wow. Now, we've both met the next guy and had a good long chat to, to him, uh, with him, but he's, he's more of a, f- a friend of yours than just a, a colleague. Brent Totterin we're talking about. Yep. Um, nowadays, Vancouver-based, former chief planner there at Vancouver, was uh, actually before that in head of urban design in Calgary. So he's worked in cities of different political persuasions. Um, but he's a tremendously influential voice and commentator and a consultant about cities across the world. I have got to know him well. We just I must have said to Brent somewhere along the way, I sort of said, look, it's really important to be an urbanist and, and sort of give people ideas and inspiration and, and help them get to where they want to go. But don't be a wanker. And he he, um, he uh, quotes that all the time, you know, that, that he, used, he used it in his address. Uh, You're an inspiration, the, Greg. Yeah, isn't it great, great to be known for something, eh? But uh, no, look, Brent is very influential on Twitter. He has a tremendous Twitter feed. He's a smart guy, can understand. He's very experienced, but he's just got a tremendous way of crafting the language in a way that's understandable, relatable, and persuasive. So he's a definite get get on board there. And the next one's very much the same as well. Um, I've met Jennifer Keysmat and had lunch with her when she came to Adelaide. She also came to Adelaide whilst I was uh, Lord Mayor. So there's a bit of a, a sort of a, like a circuit, uh, so to speak. But I also understand that uh, Jennifer. Jennifer Keysmat um, also has a relationship with your company, Ethos Urban. So, well, has has had in the past. Yes, funny, Stephen. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but when Jennifer did that thing in Adelaide, that presentation, she said I was the, one of the support acts. I actually, you know, for warming up the crowd for the uh, for the big star. She's a tremendously committed um, and influential in her role as chief planner at City of Toronto for many years. She actually ran for mayor there, uh, didn't get elected, but caused a lot of excitement and, and sort of focus on the importance of cities. And she really is, again, like one of these people who's committed 
intelligent, experienced, and so good. She's one of the best public speakers I've ever seen. I also, when I was looking at this, I did consciously Google women and urban planning because I wanted to make sure um, that we really kind of touched on, you know, not not a couple of blokes sitting around talking about blokes being awesome yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so obviously Jennifer came up. Another one is uh, uh, someone who's a genuine friend of both of ours, but also someone I guess you've mentored for many, many years. Well, Di Kyrie, you know, Diane, for, she's named after, um, who was the movie star? Diane Cannon. That's how she spells her name that way. She uh, was awarded with an AM recently, one of our big awards here in Australia. She's the current chief planner at Brisbane City Council, but she's also been president of the Commonwealth Association of Planners. She's been the president of the Planning Institute here in Australia and in Queensland. Just really one of these people who's lived her life making a contribution to planning and economic development, not only in her day job, but in her contribution to the profession and through the Commonwealth Association she's involved in UN Habitat works, That you know, all of those huge world stuff. So she's the most approachable, delightful person, but she's um, so committed and has done so many wonderful things. Also, uh, it's worth saying, I also remember, um, she's a good friend of mine and she's been very supportive and nurturing and always comments on my Facebook posts. Uh, uh, and uh, also, when I lost the election as Lord Mayor and started my consultancy, she she was absolutely one of the first people that engaged me. Uh, and um, I've worked with her when she was um, chief planner at Gold Coast and I've done some stuff with her in in Brisbane and um, she uh, in a uh, job sometimes some of the things that you and I do kind of look glamorous but sometimes it's bloody hard work and she was there when I needed it just as you've yep. been uh, yep. and so I actually just wanted to say a sincere thanks to her certainly if she's ever listening um, I don't think she'll ever realise how important and how much I appreciate the contribution she made to giving me a leg up when I started my consultancy so big fan of hers yeah um, actually no she's a, she's a good person but um, you know so many of the people we've talked about are genuine genuine people you know they care about other people they really you know they, they have a humanity about them that stands out for me i think that's a really fair thing so the next one uh is a really interesting one because lucy turnbull isn't an urban planner she's really very well known in her own right but also just happens to have been married to one of australia's uh prime ministers yeah but she's you know lucy turnbull and again it's not someone i've met but she's been tremendously influential particularly in sydney um, she was Lord Mayor there for a while. She she was the Chief Commissioner of the Greater Sydney Commission, which ran. She did that for five years and came up with the idea of the metropolis of three cities, which has been tremendously good positioning of Sydney as a city, as a as a big city. And so she's been a really important voice and a very influential one in the in the um, the profession more you know in urbanism more generally, but particularly about the city of Sydney. Yes, very very much, and uh, was actually the first woman to hold the role of, of Lord Mayor of Sydney and if I can say it's nice to see former Lord Mayors being recognised as, as urbanists so anyway moving right along you said some really good people here the next two people are, I think we can say they're great people but we can also just trash them and make fun of them and because uh, they're both mates of both of ours yeah. um, and let, let's let's start with a guy called Ludo who's Ludo? Ludo Campbell-Reed I, when I saw his name on the list I just felt like saying oh Ludo I really like Ludo. He's a wonderful, warm, again,
and warm human. Um, he's one of those people who give you a hug when you sit when yeah, he sees bubbly, you. Effervescent, yeah, bubbly. Vibrant. He's he's got a tremendous um, verve yeah, for what he does. He was Auckland Design Champion. He was called for about ten or twelve years over there. Was really instrumental in the rebirth of Auckland as a city. As and uh, he's now working at a Wyndham Council, one of the outer metro areas of Melbourne, and really doing great things, introducing urbanism to suburban places. And, and he's worked in South Africa, um, England. You know, he's again. If you get a chance to listen to Ludo, if you get a chance to meet Ludo, he he is just a wonderful person to under, help you understand how cities work best. Yep, and he's all over Twitter in a big way, isn't he? He is Twitter and LinkedIn too. Yep. Interestingly, um, Ludo has said uh, something that I say a lot is that the world would be a lot better if it were run by women and, yeah, and cities I've, would be a lot better. I've said that a few times myself. So yeah. um, speaking, okay, moving right along, just how drunk have you got with Steve Burgess? Oh, I tell you know, what happens on tour stays on tour. Oh, you know, the, God. That, that, I went that, to Hobart and you know went to one bar and then another bar. And look, I, I'm only joking. He's he's actually he's a genius. This guy. I, oh, Stephen um, Burgess. Yeah, he's 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 been keynote things all around the world. He's done a lot of work for NACTO, the the crew that you mentioned in relation to Janet Sedik Khan. He, he's uh, a transport engineer who gets cities. And uh, I joke with Stephen that I call him uh, a sort of the traffic engineer version of a reform smoker because he really understands that cars aren't the answer, they're the problem. Yep. But he's a great and compelling speaker. You know, he has tremendous presence and, you know, he's, he's one of my favourites. He's then a tremendously good man. And the three of us have caught up in, in more than one place. And, in fact, right now... Uh, we've he's got a Tassie epi- boy. Yep, he's a Tassie boy. Yeah. And right now yeah. um, we've got an episode being edited that you'll find on complete streets where Steve, yeah. Greg and, and I have a, a good chinwag about what streets should look like. That's one to uh, to check out because he's just a, a fantastic guy, a great speaker, very articulate and really passionate about transforming and creating great streets for, you know, great streets make great cities sort of stuff. Yep. So, yep. Have you ever ever met or have seen Carlo Ratti speak? No, I haven't. I know who, I know the name. But uh, no, I haven't. So I've seen, uh, I know Carlo, I've seen him speak uh, multiple times, and an Italian architect, engineer, inventor, educator, activist. He's a professor at the MIT's Boston MIT, where he directs the MIT Sensible Lab. So he's very, uh, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the sorts of things he does because he's very much around technology and cities and the future city and sensing of cities and, and, and those sorts of things. He also has his own consultancy, Carlo Associati, uh, which is uh, in Italy and, and, and New York, and um, is is kind of you know described as a, one of the most influential designers in America. So, uh, pretty well known kind of guy. Moving on, though, I'm not going to talk about Gordon Price. I've met Gordon Price, but. Oh, Gordon is, you know, Gordon is, I would say, is a very good friend. He's hoping to come out to Australia next year, COVID willing, and uh, he'll stay with me. But he's actually a former politician and he was a journo before that. He was the first openly gay uh, member of Vancouver City Council during 86 to 2002. Just interestingly, his partner is one of those Americans that, you know, went to Canada and uh, he he, uh, retired from politics in the early 2000s, but has been a tremendously influential commentator on urban planning and and development in Vancouver, but beyond. He's keynoted all around the place. He 
He really is, uh, again, one of these people. If you get a chance to listen to him, please do. He's so good at putting his own understanding of things, which make you think about things differently. He's a tremendous uh, He's a contribution man. to the urbanist uh, yeah. movement. Yeah, genuinely lovely man. Um, the yeah. next one is one I put on there because I, find, yeah. I, I found Ridwan Camille to be someone um, I connected with uh, historically who, who's a particularly interesting guy. Have you ever heard of Ridwan Camille? No. Okay. Oh, well, that's, that's, so that's, I'm learning. This yeah, is the point of today, isn't it? That's fair enough because he's only got 14 million followers on Twitter. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's probably right. He might have 14 million and one now. You know? Yeah. So very quickly, Ridwan is an Indonesian architect who then became the mayor of Bandung in Indonesia and is now uh, the governor of Java, West Java, uh, which just happens to be the most popular province in Indonesia. So that kind of explains the 14, 14 million followers. Um, and Ridwan's an interesting architect. He made his house out of Red Bull bottles. Right. Yeah, so very interesting. And Ridwan and I were both at the World City Summit when I was uh, Lord Mayor. And, uh, well, actually, he's, he was born in the same year as me. So we were both um, in our early or late 30s, actually, when we were, uh, I was Lord Mayor of Adelaide and he was Mayor of Bandung. And we both ended up being picked out and doing a lot of um, speaking to the media in Singapore that year and, and connected. It was really lovely. And so we've always kept in, in contact. And he certainly uh, really made an, an interesting contribution in, in Indonesia. So I wanted to make sure that we wouldn't, weren't doing just USA, Vancouver, uh, you know, USA. Yeah, I was going to say Vancouver, yeah. Canada, yeah. but they all seem to be, or Toronto, those sorts of things, or yeah. Europe. And so I just wanted to chuck Ridwan in because I think yeah, he's yeah. Really and Look, I, I'm following him now and I, and I see on Twitter he's called the Governor of West Java and Broadcaster of Daily Happiness. That really is a great way to guy. be an urbanist, yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next, uh, next one. So what I did just for the last three, I just did a whole part of research of top 100 urbanists top 10 urbanists and these three names came up and I have to admit I don't really know much about either of them uh, all three of them I know a little bit about Mike Leiden so let's do Mike so Mike is is really well known for driving tactical urbanism do you know Mike or have you met Mike? I haven't met him but I we're, we're sort of friends on the various social media platforms yep. New York based um, he's um, spent a lot of time in in New Zealand helping them as well yeah, he, he really is the tactical urbanism guy he's the one who's sort of pull that thinking together. Tactical urbanism, as we've talked about in other episodes, is do now I always forget what are the three things, mate? Lighter, quicker, cheaper, cheaper. is that right? Yep. Yeah. These fast interventions that trial different ways of using places and roads, you know, on the basis that you pull them out if they don't work, but they nearly always do. So that's sort of his game and that's been a tremendously powerful movement across the world in cities. Um, so Mike's made a tremendous contribution there yep. and continues to do that sort of work around uh, around the world and certainly in the US at the moment because he can't travel. The next one is Saskia Sasson. Now Saskia's name comes up all the time. I'm not really familiar with her work but once again I, um, you know, I was looking at the leading female urbanists so I don't want to just do the blokey stuff and bear with me I'm just going to kind of read this out. Saskia Sassin is a Dutch-American sociologist noted for her analysis of globalisation and international human migration. Uh, she's the Professor of Sociology at Columbia University and a visiting professor at London School of Economics. She actually coined the term Global City and authored Global City, New York, London, Tokyo, which was published in, in 1991. So um, that's just a name that just kept 
coming up. So yeah. there's a bit of research for us to do. It's an interesting global city as a term's only been around for about 30 years. You know, yep. So. Yep. And, and Jamie, Jamie Lerner um, is someone I have seen a bit of, you know, architect, urban planner, another South American, three-time mayor of Curitiba, which has done tremendous things. I think that's where the bus network was completely redone, wasn't it, with the, you know, changing the way that city operates. And, uh, yeah, he's, again, if you if you Google, uh, you know, quotes by this man, he's a tremendously wise and uh, impressive um, suite of things that you'll learn there. Well, no, I just want to say, if we've forgotten you, it doesn't mean we yes. don't love you. I mean, I'm thinking of Dan Parolek, you know, who wrote, is a, he coined the term missing middle. And, yep. you know, there are so many people making a contribution to these, you know, making cities, cities better. You know, if, if we've missed you, someone out that you think we should do, let us know, you know, yeah. like we, I, this is... For sure. And I think yeah. we're going to have to pull up stumps. There's a whole pile of other things that we could talk about in terms of books and, uh, you know, subscribe. We'll have to do another one, uh, another episode that starts to talk about some of the resources, I think, that you could probably tap into. I am going to chuck in a couple of other quick ones in terms of special mentions, if I if I may. Rachel Carson wrote a book called Silent Spring, which is incredibly famous and actually started the environmental uh, movement. And Silent Spring is this idea of pumping chemicals into into the environment to kill off insects. But if you kill off the insects, you, uh, the birds disappear and then one day you wake up and there's, there's no birds singing and you have Silent Spring. Uh, another one that I, I think really needs to be up there is, is a guy called Donald Shoup. You know who oh, he is. Oh, boy, we should have mentioned him, yeah. Yep. Who um, the hell's Donald Shoup, Greg? Well, he's the father of understanding parking. He wrote the book, I think it's called The High Cost, High Cost of Free Parking. Yep. He's an academic, I think, out of a university in um, California, but he has written for many years and commentated for many years about why parking is not free and the actual hidden costs of it, the hidden impacts of parking on our cities. He doesn't say get rid of it, but he says manage it. And uh, he's been tremendously uh, influential. He's on Twitter and a lot of social media platforms, well worth a follow. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him. What about Jeff Speck? Oh, yes. Mr. Walkability. He's again, um, I don't know Jeff. Uh, I'd like to meet him. He really is the person who's championed walkability as a way of um, changing up cities. And his book has got a great the name I've of the got book. Have you got that? So it's yeah. The Walkable City, How Downtown Can Save America, One Step at a Time. The I've tagline. got it in my bookshelf with yeah. Dear Stephen, lovely to meet you and thank you for the tour of Adelaide. So I have yeah. met him. My entertaining myself joke would be that I took Jeff on a driving tour of the <laughs> city of Adelaide because we didn't have much time uh, and I had an electric car and it hadn't actually gone for a spin electric car at the time. So I do know Jeff um, yep. and I have spent a bit of time with him. That's kind of cool. Um, there's another one this is one that i must admit if you're ever going to collect baseball cards or whatever there's one person that i always wanted to meet and i met him before he died and it was a big deal to me and i pushed through a whole pile of people to meet a guy called sir peter hall oh yes i've met peter yes and of course he's died not that long ago he was knighted for his services uh, to urban planning by the queen and, and is uh, wrote uh, very sort of seminal uh, highly um, articulate and intelligent uh, book called cities of tomorrow an intellectual history of urban planning and design in the 20th century kind of like the sort of the icon of urban planning in the uk is that is that fair 
Yeah, that's fair. And a couple more that I would put out there is uh, Charles Landry. Uh, he's, oh, yes. Um, he's actually a very good friend of mine, and he was an inspiration for me. I met him when I was an urban planner and uh, did some work with him, and he once pulled me aside and said, something's going to happen to you one day. You're different. Don't worry about what people think of how you approach things, Stephen. Everything is going to be okay. And the next time he came back to Adelaide, I was the Lord Mayor of Adelaide. He saw me. His face lit up. He gave me a huge hug, um, and he was a real inspiration for me and um, he actually recently just in the last week he sent me a message saying just checking in to see how you're going so um, creative cities very much about creativity of cities he's from the UK um, very charismatic very interesting uh, very dynamic uh, guy that also I would add to any list you wanted now um, I reckon we're just about done we could start to sort of touch the edges um, you know what I reckon we could do mate let's just rattle through a few of these publications we can point people to. Don't have to tell them what they're all about, but these are sort of places you can go to find some stuff. So I think medium.com is, yep. uh, you know, has really taps into a lot of this stuff. A lot of the people we've talked about would be writing articles uh, for you them. Can, you can find me on Medium, Greg. Yeah, I know. Brent uh, does a lot for them. <laughs> I can never pronounce this one. Planetison, is that how you say it? Uh, it, Yeah. It's uh, like yes. planet and citizen put planet, together. Uh, planet Eisen. Planet Zen. The planet's P-L-A-N-E-T-I-Z-E-N.com. That's pretty much the most popular portal, isn't it? It really is, and it's great stuff. Yep. Wired.com, I know one's, that's one you're very oh, keen on. And, mate, I'm and all it, and over it, that. They do a really good job. It's not transport. just about cities, but yep. it, it's it's so much stuff in there that is relevant to the conversation about yep. cities. Technology, transport, they do a whole thing on, on that as well. No, they really do cover some great stuff. Cyborg Labs is yep. a Google company that imagines, designs, and builds urban innovations, and, and yeah. they're, they're really big in, in, in that space and very so, innovative. You've got Yeah, and we're not saying everything they say is right, but nope. they're an important yep. sort of thing. Bloomberg cities, Bloomberg does a lot around cities. Yep. That, that that whole thing Michael that's worth Bloomberg a look. Could have could have been added to our list as well. He's he's doing a tremendous wow. amount of, uh, cities and and doing a lot in India with Bloomberg philanthropies. In fact, they've engaged me to go over and, and do some work in India. So I've I've, I've uh, had a bit of work to do. Never met Michael, but um, had a lot um, actually been engaged by his organisation. So yeah, he, um, he, I think one of the great things they're doing is that forty cities. Um, initiative. So, you know, with governments sort of twiddling their thumbs and doing their best to ignore climate change, 40 of the world's biggest cities got together and thought, well, we'll just do it. And another one there is 100 Resilient Cities, which is pioneered by the Rockefeller Foundation, and they've got 100 cities together to talk about city resilience. So that's another one. There's also nextcity.org, there's citylab.com, there's smartcitiescouncil.com, there's smartcitiesconnect.org. There are a whole pile. Um, For me, there's probably three global events that are worth keeping an eye out. Um, I've been to the World City Summit uh, countless times in Singapore, and that's that's held every every second year. Um, Barcelona has the Smart Cities Expo, which is is really starting to grow as the great smart cities conference that I is on my bucket list, and uh, I've never been to Barcelona. And and the other one that I've always wanted to get to, and I finally got 
got there um, is the Moscow Urban Forum. And I was the only Australian at the Moscow Urban Forum. And you talked about speaking just before Jeanette Sadakan. I was the warm-up act for the Mayor of Moscow uh, and spoke uh, on, on stage just before the Mayor of Moscow at the Moscow Urban Forum. And, uh, and if you haven't ever been to Moscow, it's, it's, it's a place that is worth yeah, getting yeah. to. So. so a lot of those world events, of course, are on hold a bit with um, or, or going online. Yep. But, but these are the things to look out for. So I hope we haven't overburdened people. Our aim was to inspire people because... Any of these people that we've talked about and, and these sources of information are the sort of things that you really want to get your head into understanding and reading a little bit about and reading some material to sort of help understand this whole conversation about the future of cities. How do you reckon? For sure. And, you know, it's not just about the famous people. I'm also inspired by young people because they're digitally literate. They've got the passion uh, and the aspiration. But certainly um, there are a whole pile of really important names. We all need heroes, we all need mentors, we all need people who are going to inspire us and there's certainly some names there that have people who have inspired me either from a distance or, or directly taking the time to sit down with me and and engage with me and inspire me. So um, uh, you know, they're some of the gurus um, I'm hoping they can explore the next generation of, of heroes uh, when it comes to urbanism over the next 10 or 20 years and as we do an episode in, in 10 or 20 years. You know, saying we know these people is not about big noting ourselves it's telling you about the sort of people that are involved these are people who are approachable you can you can get to them you can have conversations you, i've just got to know them by going to their cities or meeting them at things or getting to know them on social media and you know this is not about trying to big note ourselves or big note them it's about the better we do this together the more we understand it together the better off our cities will be yeah it's about collaboration it's about a global network um, it's about um, connecting with people uh, locally and internationally and I, I completely agree with that what I would say is as an urban planner 15 years ago who was told to shut up sit in a corner write reports and I was lucky to have a job I'm the sort of guy that's much more about pinching myself and and realizing that it's been an incredible privilege to be um, able to meet some of these people and, and actually that they just genuinely inspired me and that was that's a thing and so yeah. no it's 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 wonderful to finish off what I would say is that's also a bit of a shopping list for us in terms of getting some people we've had Steve Burgess I know yeah, we're getting, program. I know we're getting yeah. Brent uh, on in a future episode Hippodamus is probably out of reach yeah um, but uh, Steve, we've already we've got Steve Burgess in the can so yeah. we'll we'll get that out yeah, yeah so and, and Hopefully, if uh, Gordon does get out here, we'll we'll make sure we catch up with him. But this is just hearing the voices, hearing the experiences, hearing what got them into it, hearing how they approach it. And I spend a lot of time trying to inspire others. I don't know how we go, but we certainly give it a red hot crack. Absolutely. Now, on that basis, I'm going to uh, sign off. Let's let's plan our next podcast right yeah. now. Why don't we do another one? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? See okay. Good on you, mate. Thanks for that.